from the Auto Line Studios. Here is your host, John McElroy. Thanks for joining us on Auto Line this week. And I got a question for you before we get started. How important to you is it, the color of a car, both inside and out? Well, we're going to be talking all about that today because our guests are experts in color and trim. And my guests include Susan Lampinen, the group chief designer for color and material at the Ford Motor Company, Francois Ferrian, the senior design manager at Nissan, and Sharon Gauci, the director for global color and trim at General Motors. I want to thank you all for being here today. Thanks. You know, when I got into this business over 30 years ago, color and trim is the only place that women could work in design, and it was largely dominated by women. And I'm just curious, and, and why don't I start out with you, Sharon? How has that all, all changed? Because I've got to believe it really has changed a lot. I, it has changed. In, in, the, in the two decade, decades that I've worked in color and trim, there's been um, a tremendous amount of change with respect to where we're recruiting from and the diversity between men and women in the industry. Yes, it's true. In my time 20 years ago, it was largely a female-dominated industry. And perhaps, Francois, you want to chime in here. But we're seeing a resurgence in that um, more men are drawn to color and trim as a discipline. We're looking outside of textile design to recruit, and men are not necessarily in the function of textile design, but perhaps industrial design, um, product design largely. So that's how we're recruiting more men in the, in the, into the industry. Very interesting. So, Francois, how, how do you see it? Yeah, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's also difficult to... It's, it's always been a little bit difficult because there's no true um, program, per se, um, for, for that. Mm -hmm. So um, you're recruiting from textile design, as, as, as you said, uh, sometimes product design. And all of this was, you know, uh, color and trim was always like the number three after exterior first, interior second, and color and trim. So probably, I don't know, maybe like the, the art students were really running after that first place in, in that. So um, all of that made it a little bit difficult, but I remember um, my team when I was at uh, uh, PSA, Peugeot and Citroën, was half and half. Uh, it's a little bit less balanced uh, in, at Nissan, uh, a little bit more on the female side, but uh, I'm here to prove that it's possible to have a man <laughs> but it's in, not just women. in current trail. No, 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 no. It's Susan, how have you seen the change? Um, I think, you know, from where I started out in my career, I started out doing exterior design and then interior design and then color material design. And I think that it is more diverse now than it has been. So, yeah, I believe it has kind of evolved over time and over the years where it is something as a career in color and material design that it's something that's taken very seriously versus just do that as an afterthought. Um, a huge approach that we take at Ford is... Um, collaboration. So we're considered one with interior and exterior design, working hand in hand with them up front and as a diverse group. What, what changed? What's changed over the years that color and trim was sort of tertiary to exterior design than interior design? Why is it so much more important these days to the, the automotive industry? I think it's something that it's taken very seriously because you can have a great design you know, you can have this beautiful exterior that attracts you in, in this wonderful interior, but if you don't, you know, color it and material it, you know, along the same lines as you're designing it, it won't be as successful if you don't have it as an integral part of the process. So 
it's really about the collaboration from the get-go and sharing the same vision from the get-go and working hand-in-hand -in, -hand in partnership within design and outside of design. And Susan has made the point twice. Um, working hand-in-hand -hand with the studio is vitally important because colour and materials can fundamentally change the surface design of the interior, where the colour part lines change for a colour breakup, um, where a, a piece of decor terminates and starts in the IP, how the material can influence and the technology can influence the part. So as Susan mentions, we're working hand in hand and in collaboration with the studios to execute a final design that is surface design and then finished appropriately with colour and trim. It, it depends on the region, but exterior colour, for example, uh, ranks very high in the uh, number of reasons why people buy a car. Um, and also the emphasis on interior that we have seen developing with people spending more and more time in their car and the um, incredible amount of you know, efforts that have gone into you know, crafting the interiors has given, I think, more difficulty but also more expertise to, to people in, in color and trim. So I think that, that has helped also um, in addition to what was said already. If you talk to any car buyer, the color of the car is very important to them. And yet, year after year, the surveys show that the three most popular colors are white, <coughs> black, and silver. And then on the interior, you tend to get a gray, a beige, a black. And it, I, I imagine this must drive all of you crazy that you, we get down to these very basic plain colors. Or, or do you not see it that way? Yeah, it does drive us crazy, that's for sure. Um, we try to avoid that as much as possible, so we have several tricks uh, for that. Um, first, you cannot go, you know, people vote with their dollars. So what, whatever they want or whatever is on the dealer lot is available. Um, they, they're going to get that. But um, there are a couple of things that can help with that. Uh, lounge colors, you know, advertising one color when a, a car is... Um, is coming is very important and people get used to an unusual color just by looking at it again and again mm -hmm. and finally it makes sense to them whereas before if you had said well we're gonna have an orange on my car it's like no impossible so I think that's that's one thing but but you're right you're right it's very difficult I disagree good and here's why I think um, We've seen the volume of colors being black, white, silver, gray, you know, maybe even a core red. Um, as a designer, I think it's our challenge to come up with the best black, the best white, the best silver. Because you're going to have these core colors, and if you can improve upon those with the latest technology and the pigments or what goes into the effect of the exterior color, it's a great opportunity to keep pushing the envelope to get something that's very intentional and you're always going to have the opportunity to do trend colors or cornerstone colors, which are the other colors, the impact colors, or the kind of fashion colors, so to speak. So give me an example. How do you do a special black, a special white? What makes it different? Um, I think white, especially lately, and blacks, um, white is certainly the most popular color globally recently and still is. Um, there's a number of ways you can do white. You can do a clean white, that's a solid white. You can do um, a warm white, that's a solid white. You can do um, like tri-coat whites or effect whites where you have certain type of effect pigments in the color. So it can give you a variety of different colors that will create a mood for the brand or that vehicle. 
that would be appropriate for something on a pickup truck versus a luxury product. Blacks, you know, they're solid black. How jet can you get with that? What type of real sparkly effect do you want to put into that or very fine effect do you want to put into that? So I think it gives the designer an opportunity to get creative within a very narrow color space. And that's our job as designers to solve that and to come up with something that looks great. And then in designing the colors, we need to make sure that it's appropriate to the brand. What we're trying to communicate is a finished message to our consumers, how the color is going to lay on top of the vehicle with surface design changing so rapidly. That also goes hand in hand with color, how the metallic flake is going to communicate on the surface language. Having that core color palette is really important, but being able to be expressive on the bookends of what we're communicating for the car line or for the brand. We know those brighter colors or the more expressive colors are not necessarily going to be the high runner for the palette overall, but that's not the reason not to do and explore that creative option for color. And Sharon, what is it about certain colors just seem to work on a car, on a specific car. It may not look that great on another car. And, and I'm not just saying something very bright necessarily, but every now and then you see a car and you go, wow, does that right. look good? And there's something about the color. What makes it work? Well, between Cadillac and Buick, for example, two perfect examples where Buick is very voluptuous and expressive in its form, and Cadillac is a very sheer surface. So the paint sits differently. The color communicates differently because the pigments are doing different things on the same uh, surfaces. So it's all about the shape. It's like dressing a person. You might have an outfit that you have in mind for somebody, and then you put it on somebody else, and it doesn't quite look the same. Any other thoughts on no, no, I why colors work on I've, some cars and not the others? Um, there's plenty of reasons. One is, is the shape and, and, you know, like round shapes or fluidic shapes like we have, for example, on Infinity. Um, we have tried to have very liquid looking uh, because it, it goes very well with that fluid language uh, on the design. Uh, whereas on Nissan's, we're a little bit more abrupt. Uh, in, in some uh, some uh, test, um, and that's the shape, but also the personality and the segment where the car is. Um, do we want to make a statement, or is that something that is all in, in, in sophistication and and, and uh, refinement? That that's really is uh, different there. And sometimes you do exactly the opposite that you were expected to do. So on a refined car, you present a very strong. Um, color, and that might be what uh, what people will remember. Will remember. What do you all make of uh, this move that we've seen in the last couple of years to come up with? Uh, some people call it a matte finish. I don't think that's right. To me, it's more of a satin finish. So there's no depth of gloss to it whatsoever, but it really highlights the styling lines on a car. Susan, any thoughts on that? Uh, I think that's definitely something we've been seeing out in the concept car auto show circuit for quite a number of years. We're now seeing it in production on the road, not just with their high-end exotic type of vehicles, but you know, across all the OEMs. Mm. So I think it's definitely, that's a trend that has emerged. It's sustaining for a while. We're gonna see what happens to that. <laughs> Good thought. You, you, you don't think it, it will I think there's be there in the long run, eh? Probably long-term, it is, it is more of a fad than a trend. You know, fads come and go. And a trend is something that will come, it'll stay a while, and maybe eventually go away. But something, it's probably a little bit more of a fad. 
um, you're seeing it hit other industries as well and it's already starting to fall out of other industries. So I think with automotive, it's longer to come to market, it stays around a little bit longer and then kind of goes away. So I think it'll be around for a little while. Long, long term, probably not. Francois, how do you distinguish between a trend and a fad? A trend being something that may be building for the long term. A fad, of course, is going to be gone in a while. And I imagine you don't want to commit to something that's going to be a fad because cars are out there for so long. Yeah, you have to be very careful with that because um, what is considered a fad for designers because they go to auto shows uh, is way, um, you know, ignored by, by the vast majority of, of customers. What we have noticed by making some tests is that, you know, the exposure to, to um, uh, low gloss colors is actually pretty low. Um, I mean, people have seen some, you know, trucks that were done in the local body shop or they have seen some faded out things, which obviously is not a very good image. Uh, but when, when they are exposed to real cars, real images, and these cars are not around too much, you know, there, there are plenty of areas where nobody has seen any low gloss car. So, um, so to take this example, we have to be careful about, you know, the speed at which it, it reaches the public. Uh, but to answer your question, um, it's, it's very difficult. There are, there are some, uh, some areas of uh, inspiration for us, like fashion, um, which are on a very different cycle. So we have to be extremely careful with that. So what we have found out, for example, is that um, maybe home decor or architectural um, trends were a little bit easier to adapt or to interpret in our language rather than pure fashion that is really the rage of a moment and something that is very risky and uh, something that the high executives don't like either. So that's <laughs> An important constituency, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Sharon, yeah, where do you look for your inspiration in terms of the leading edge? Or is automotive setting it, or are you going and looking at other industries to find out what's really going to be hot? Mm, this is a good question. So um, my team is, is immersed constantly with what's happening around them. And we're lucky in that we can use each of the studios around the world to get a finger on the pulse of what's happening at any one time. Um, our lead times are so long that I think we are <coughs> scanning for insights first, understanding what the macro trends are and interpreting what that means going forward. But I'm always pushing the creative team globally to be searching beyond what they can see and what everyone else can see today. But we're, there, there is no one place we go to. Um, we're visiting the world, we're going to shows, not just automotive, we're going beyond automotive actually, um, and really trying to define what's out there that no one is seeing yet, just to get a point of difference, because everybody is seeing the same sources of information all of the time, whether it's in fashion, in product, we all get access to the internet. We all get access to the same subscription. So it's what out there that's different um, in, over and above just a feeling of what's happening. You, you said, I think, a, a, a very interesting thing, that the lead times are so long in automotive. How long does it take to change the color of a car? I mean, if you, if you say, we do not have this color in our palette and we want to add it, mm -hmm. how long would that take? We're three to four years. Wow. Because it's got to go through so much testing, I imagine. 
testing, we're doing our process differently globally now. Um, there's lots of contributors as to why the, the, the cycle is so long. So we're starting um, our process a little differently. We're working collectively, globally, to um, define what our new future state's going to be. I like bringing that up for the audience because people don't understand how complicated this business can be. And, and to take three to four years just to add a new color, I, I think is something that people should be aware of. And, and, and speaking of, of doing it on a global basis, Susan, how, how do you figure out which colors are right for what parts of the world? I got to believe there's differences. There are differences. Um, they're not maybe as great as they might have been years ago because um, through the internet, through social media, you know, through a lot of the technology that's out there now, it's a different world than it was 10 and even 20 years ago. So a lot of things are global, but there are, um, even within North America, for instance, there are even different types of preferences regionally with colors and globally. You know, there's gonna have certain meanings to colors in different cultures or regions, in addition to just certain personal tastes that happens either nationally or internationally. So. Yeah, we do it global, but we also really honor the regions where there's a need as well. What I'm wondering too, is there seasonal variations? Because a, a pastel color will always look terrific down in the Key West area of, of Florida, for example. And a, a pastel may look good in the snow belt during the summer months, but in the winter, it could look terrible. Do, do you see regional variations in how people choose the color of their car? We, when we look at the data and we look at the information, we do see some difference regionally. Um, again, color is going to be um, individual to the product. Certain colors are going to look better on certain vehicles than others. So we always have to keep that in mind and put it through that DNA or that filter for, for example, like the Mustang DNA, the Mustang filter, make sure those colors are right. Um, but when you step back in terms of seasonal colors, I think coming back to the point like we spoke about, you know, it's a long process to design and develop and test a color or material and get it into the vehicle, then it's on the road for a number of, of years. And then you have the resale of that potentially. But what, what I think is kind of smart manufacturing is working in collaboration to do the right thing for the company where you're inspired by fashion, you're inspired by a, a lot of industries, and then you can use maybe those trends, those fast emerging trends, capture that, find a way to go fast and get it to market for a brief period of time on low volume vehicles. We try to do that with special packages or limited volume runs to put together a special color and material and content package and get that out to market in certain regions nationally or even internationally. Is that used as a test that might go into higher volume production too? Um, once in a great while, usually it's meant just for a small package, a limited run, for a certain reason or specific intent. Um, sometimes things catch on and maybe we expand it to other vehicle lines or it becomes a whole part of a serious strategy like a racing or performance serious strategy. You never know where it goes sometimes. Mm -hmm. we, we've done the same research obviously on, on our side and um, same result for the regions. There are some differences, but these differences are not what you expect. So for example, you would think that Florida and California being two sunny states would have the same taste. Absolutely not. Hmm. Um, so you would expect that, you know, the white would go well there and actually black is so popular in California. So there's some other reasons which are 
cultural, um, you know, it's, it's always, um, you know, deeper and a little bit more complicated than it seems. You know, it would be easy to say, well, the people will have pearl white cars with beige interiors in the Sun Belt, but that's not exactly how it, how it works. And, and speaking of uh, the fashion colors, it's um, thinking of a customer, even if we had a, a faster way uh, to uh, produce colors, um, the customers, you know, do not want necessarily something that will last for three months because they're going to keep their car. You know, the average is, is several years, so it's um, it's it's not so so good. In Japan, we produced a color that was a, a metallic pink, uh, which was called Sakura, which is the the cherry blossom, cherry blossom. and it reached twenty five percent take rate, which was amazing for about three to four months. Uh, so. But that's something that we, we kind of look in amazed, but uh, very difficult to replicate here. Sharon, cars these days are getting to be so technical. Does technology at all play a role in color and trim? Oh, absolutely. So, it, you know, we talked about the role of color and trim and how we've emerged. Um, technology now, the designers have technology at their fingertips. They can swap out, try out, do things we couldn't do two decades ago to understand what their vision for an interior is going to look like. Um, uh, you know, 20 years ago, we were taking a magazine image and pasting it to a board to communicate our thoughts and and visions and nowadays the designers are using technology on large screen to show us what interiors are going to look like, how we can swap things out quickly to create many proposals versus one hand drawing that we used to do 20 years ago. And even technology plays a part in understanding where these trends are coming from, how we get connected to understand what the trends are. The simulation capabilities in the industry today are just astounding, how you don't even just get the way it's going to look. I mean, you get to the detail, almost you get the, the sense of how it's going to feel. You can get the sense of a finished product. You can see how the reflections are going to bounce off a surface. You can understand the grain and the texture. You can see the detail in the fabrics and in the materials. You basically get a virtual sense, real time, of what the interior is going to look like. So Susan, what are you looking at these days? What, what, are you, what are you trying to get inspiration about and where are you seeking it out? Um, where are we, we it, I think as a designer, um, you know, we are on 24 hours a day. We kind of don't turn off. So we get inspiration from anything and everything around us. It's just kind of who we are. Um, what are we looking at? Where are we going? Um, I think there's a huge trend towards you know, having a total experience with your vehicle. You know, it's around the brand. It's not just about designing a product. It's around the brand, the whole brand experience. The product is a part of that brand. How does the customer connect with it, feel? You know, there's this um, saying or quote, um, you know, you don't remember, you know, things about it, but you remember how you feel as you come away from it. You know, that takes a huge priority. So, you know, how does that translate when you're designing a car or designing a product? Francois, same, it, same question. Yeah, it, um, it's a, um, we are all passionate about our jobs. And when you ask anybody what was their first car and what was the color of their first car, they, they always remember. And what we're trying to do is to connect on a personal level with the, the customer. 
And to do that, it's very difficult because we gather so much information. As um, you said, it's very difficult because everything is available to everybody. So what we've discovered and what we're trying to do at Nissan right now is to kind of um, um, take a step back and try to make actually choices that are, um, again, more uh, not from the customer or for the exterior, um, you know, giving some some uh, information, but more from us as a company or as designers speaking to the customer to, to try to express something that we feel um, makes sense or might engage the customer. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a very different world where everybody's choosing online first, uh, that they spend the least amount of time possible in the dealership, so you cannot rely on your final car to be there to really convince. So it's, it's very difficult to, to connect that very tangible world that people will live in and will drive and, and something that uh, we must convince before. We're down to the very end, but same question to you as well. Uh, we're looking for things absolutely appropriate to brand. We're searching for new technologies, we're searching for new finishes, but ultimately what we go after and what we bring back, we want to make sure is um, relevant to the brand, um, has a simplicity in its visual communication, there is harmony between exterior and interior, really making sure we've got a cohesive product in the, in, in the end that communicates specifically to the brand. Yeah, I think the, the industry across the board these days is doing a great job of having a much better balance between interior and exterior design. It was done well in the past, but I'm saying across the board now, I'm, I'm seeing a whole lot more of that. And Francois, I love your, uh, your, your, what you said about uh, nobody forgets the first car that they had or the color that it was. Boy, is that ever true. I went through one of these password things where they have common questions that you have to ask so that you'll remember. And, you know, one is what was the name of your first dog? And one of them is what was your first car? So people don't forget that. Anyway, I want to thank all three of you for having come in. Susan Lampinen from the Ford Motor Company, Francois Farian from Nissan, and Sharon Gauci from General Motors, thank you all. Thank you. I want to thank all of you for having tuned in. <laughs>